How's it going, me old mucker? Pretty swell as it goes, Elliot. Luke, have you had some work done? You look damn right radiant. You're glowing, mate. Your forehead's shining like the midday sun. Your cheeks are shimmering like a lightning strike. And your nose is polished like a ruby red Ferrari. Oh, yeah. I'd like to say I always look this good, but I'd be lying if I did. I've just been for a mini facial, actually, at that salon, Blush Beauty by Lauren. Had the works, mate. Soaps, oils, serums, moisturisers, hot flannels. Hot flannels? Hot flannels. I feel relaxed, nourished and rejuvenated. A bit of me time and I'm like a new man. I'm jealous. Does she do manicures by any chance? Does she, heck? She does gel manicures, full manicures, pedicures, tinting, facials, piercings and massages. Service with a smile and friendly conversation. Sounds a scream. What about the products? Are they ethical? You bet. All products used are natural-based, cruelty-free and vegan-friendly. You see, I've been looking for someone to do my bikini wax for Coachella 2021. Would she do that? Too right she would, which is a huge relief for me, I have to say. She does Brazilian, Hollywood, back, chest, full, half. All bases covered. Result! I might take a look at her range of treatments and buy my mum a gel pedicure for her birthday. Beats the yearly bottle of bubbly and a bar of soap. So why not treat yourself? or a loved one with a treatment from Blush Beauty by Lauren. A range of beauty treatments at great prices. Like her on Facebook or pay her salon a visit located at Energique Health Club and Spa, Anstey Lane, Alton Hampshire, GU34 2NB. That's Blush Beauty by Lauren. Honestly, mate, it's done your appearance wonders. You might finally get a girlfriend. You think? Nah, just joking. Welcome along to You Have Been Watching, the podcast that invites different guests each episode to choose some of their favourite telly shows. They'll be asked to pick four separate shows from each of our categories and a couple of bonus choices as well. Why? Because they've won our made-up competition to spend a weekend away at a luxurious travel lodge in the heart of Preston. Joining me as ever for this televisual adventure is Luke Bateman, a man who is so weedy he used to hoist his shorts up to his midriff during tag rugby training so nobody could accidentally pull his pants down whilst attempting to tackle him. And straggling along at sloth speed is my best mate and arch nemesis Elliot Williams, a man who was so cool at school his teachers used to call him Hedgehog Boy on account of his frighteningly spiky hairstyle and whose Xbox Live name was and remains ActorKid007, an amalgamation of his dream job and his favourite spy. I'll call him ActorKid007, he can call me Jockey Jason Bourne. All right? <laughs> you have done me dirty I've there. done you a rotter there. You've really right? done me a rotter this week. There is a reason for that for what which one so obviously whenever you have to sign up to play online on a computer game you have to come up with your own name you wouldn't know this of course because you're not a little nerd like me <laughs> uh, but you have to come up with something really quite quickly and i thought well what do i want to be when i grow up an actor let's say i'm also a kid 
granted. And also, I am often compared to a lovely, highbrow, sexy spy, 007, <laughs> hence the reasoning. Yeah, okay, right, fair enough. That has actually got me into trouble, genuinely. I, right. I haven't told you this story. About two years ago, I went to a really popular like, games company manufacturer to test a game. And it was such a, a new game that no one had, had played before that we weren't allowed to use our real names when discussing our feedback. So we had to put our gamer tag, which is <laughs> ActorKid007, on our tops. So I was walking around with a sticker around this massive building with proper professionals with that walking around. How old were you? About 20? Oh, this was two years ago. Yeah, about 20. Yeah. <laughs> it's embarrassing. Uh, um, what I've got here next to me is a screwed up photocopied, um, uh, well, a colour photocopy of a book cover of Nanny McPhee, The Collected Tales of Nurse Matilda by Christiana Brand. Can you explain to me? I said we'd save it for this intro so you can tell me what it, why you used to do that. What, what when I was a kid, yeah. around about seven, yeah. I used to photocopy the covers of the books that I got and put them on my wall around so my sad bed. You realise that? Did you even read half the books? No, I've got so many books I've never read. That's so Secret sad. of Moonacre, mate. <laughs> never read it. Bridge to Terabithia, still in the cover. Yeah, this is your thing as well. You used to read not like great sweeping novels of literature. They always used to be books of the film after the film. Yeah. It was, it, they weren't novels that had been turned into films. They were always the, the novelised versions of a film. Meet the Robinsons, Ratatouille, Indiana Jones and the Kid with the Crystal Skull. Got them all, mate. Moonake, it was only you only got that because you, there was the girl in it that you fancied that was the main character who got on campus. Isn't it that, that girl? Dakota also, something? Dakota Blue Dakota Richards. Blue Richards. Yeah. Uh, she was in Dustbin Baby on CBC, but I also liked... She, she was on CBC as well? well no, she was, she was in a drama adaptation of the Dustbin Baby on CBBC. So she was on CBBC? Just on that one adaptation. Yeah, but she's a big movie star. I don't think that's that interesting. I do. Really? But she's American, isn't she? No. I think she is. She's not. Uh, yeah. Who have we got on the show this week, Elliot? We have got the wonderful, the charming Benjamin Butterworth. And he was absolutely charming, wasn't he? He was. Journalist, activist, political commentator, glasses wearer, rugby shirt. Anyist, <laughs> he is it. Yes, that's true. He was good. He was really good. Perfectionist as well. We discussed studio sitcom, Cabaret's Chocolate and Piers Morgan. And we had a bit of a bitch as well. Mm. And that's nice. That was nice. Bonding. That's humanising. Enjoy the Benjamin Butterworth episode of You Have Been Watching. So here on You Have Been Watching, we imagine that our special guest has won a weekend away in a hotel room in Preston, where all they can do is lie back and watch telly. They'll be choosing four of their favourite ever TV shows and we'll be hearing why they've chosen them and what it means to them. At the end, we'll also ask them which television personality they want to spend their weekend with and what they'd like to eat. Our competition winner today is Benjamin Butterworth. Born in Macclesfield on the 17th of March 1992, presumably conceived around 17th of June 1991, Benjamin is a freelance British journalist, reporter and political commentator. After attending Wilmslow High School in Cheshire, Benjamin began his career in journalism, which has taken him from story to story and strength to strength. A specialist in gay rights issues, as an active and proud member of the LGBT community and a dab hand at current affairs analysis, Benjamin has become almost ubiquitous in news media in recent years. In the print world, he's written for The Independent, The Guardian, The Washington Post, Daily Star, OK Magazine, Vice, Pink News and New Statesman, among many others. In the world of TV and radio, he's a frequent contributor to Sky News and has also appeared on BBC News, Five News, BBC World Service, LBC and BBC Radio 4. Benjamin Butterworth really is looking bright and breezy this afternoon, ready to battle and bicker over his top TV choices in the most mild-mannered of debates he'll ever have experienced. Hello, Benjamin. How are you? 
It's a pleasure. And I, I feel like I sort of just died and had my obituary read out. So <laughs> Lots of people say that. There's, uh, there's, there's so much that could go wrong in my life since. So I might just call it a day now. And, and that, that all sounds brilliant. Um, I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Very well. Are there any discrepancies there? Do we get anything wrong or anything we ought to clarify? Well, do you know, it's funny it sounds like an obituary because I'm now the late editor of the I newspaper, which always sounds like I was a recently deceased editor. <laughs> oh, yes. Rather than that I work in the evenings, which is, is the reality of it. I am, I'm firmly alive, I can confirm. <laughs> you look it. That's good. Well, Benjamin, there's only one place to start, and that is you are now a GIF. Uh, oh, I am, yeah. It's me, it's me looking shocked. And I'll confess, when I was doing that, when I was being filmed for that radio show, I was trying to look really shocked. So I was I was exaggerating in the first place, but I quite like that. I've seen people having conversations on Twitter using the GIF or a GIF, I thought it was a GIF, uh, using that as a reaction uh, without any context of me. So I feel like, you know, that is true, Faith. I think you're right. It is a GIF, actually, isn't <laughs> it? I, got it wrong. I always get it wrong uh, as well. I'm not I down with the kids. I think it's GIF. Yeah, I think it's GIF. <laughs> uh, how did your love uh, of journalism begin? Was it getting something published in a school, that school paper? That's normally the way, isn't it? Or was it just a, a want to, to debate and ensure challenge well do you know i didn't have many friends as a kid and so the people inside the television sort of became my friend and i would watch gmtv obsessively every morning from about 6 a.m when i get up so that i knew what was going on in the world and you'd have sort of eamon holmes and fiona and uh, john stapleton and penny smith and those people that presented it and then I'd get home at night and I'd watch BBC Northwest tonight. And it sort of spurned this interest in current affairs. And so it was sort of the only thing I wanted to do. The problem is, of course, that I have so few skills in life. You know, I can't cook or clean or do anything useful. So uh, I had to write and talk for a living because uh, otherwise I'd, I'd have no money. It seems to be going quite well as well. I read somewhere that you were potentially the last person to interview Joan Rivers, oh. the, the late, very sweary, very outrageous American comedian for anyone that doesn't know her. Is that true? And how did that go? Did she live up to expectation? I, I just want to put the rumours to bed that I did not kill her. <laughs> that was exactly where I was going. It was cross-examination. <laughs> no, I was completely cleared uh, of the murder. Uh, no, I joke. <laughs> I, um, look, I can't know for absolute certain if I was the last person because I, uh, I wasn't following her around the streets of New York. But, but I was certainly one of the very last. And it was incredible because I'd always wanted to interview Joan Rivers. You know, I'd only just graduated from university and got my first job writing and my editor was meant to do it but he got invited to a posh party and let me do it well thank god because you know i've still got that 35 minute conversation on my phone and i sometimes listen to it if it's not sort of too odd and morbid because to get to talk to my favorite comedian in the world who's on my top three people i wanted to interview and then her go into a coma just a few days later and, and die a week after that was was kind of incredible and, and amazing and and i listened back to it and she was she wasn't hysterically funny in in real life but she was sort of mature and professional and kind. And at the end of the interview, she invites me to the Royal Albert Hall to meet her where she was meant to be performing. And that tour was actually called Quick Before They Closed the Lid. And of course she died before she ever made it. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> like a dreadful premonition, isn't it? Gosh, because her, yeah. her reputation, of course, obviously sometimes precedes her as being so feisty mm. and opinionated, but it's lovely to hear actually she was quite measured and professional in real life. Um, Benjamin, you're also uh, a former chair of London Young Labour. Uh, which is a vote you won by a landslide we we're reading um yeah and, and then you ran at the local elections as well in 2011 for uh cheshire east council uh which at the time made you an incredibly young in fact you were the youngest person to have ever done so was that a particularly yeah. daunting scary precedent setting experience well no being sort of a weird megalomaniac child it uh, it seemed the obvious thing to do i don't know i just i loved tony blair growing up if i'm allowed to admit that and so I wanted to get involved with the Labour Party and, and wanted to sort of do that 
it, it was it was good fun and um, it's weird to think people have voted for me not many people but you know a few we did an interview with tony blair didn't you in, in 2014 it actually is a rather incredible interview where you, you say you think he's a gay icon i mean the whole interview must have been an absolute thrill for you how did that come about uh, i feel like i'm on this is your life if you remember that tv program <laughs> you know where they give a red book and, and go through everything and um, it was good it was the 30th anniversary of gay times magazine which i worked for and Basically, it was kind of an accident because I wanted to interview Tony Blair because most of the laws in this country that give equality to gay people were introduced by his government. So I thought he was an obvious person to recognise. Then later down the line, the theme for the magazine, which had lots of people, including Joan Rivers, they made it the gay icons issue. So accidentally, we put out a magazine calling Tony Blair a gay icon, but it, it, it wasn't the plan. And then I was at a dinner, uh, I think the following year, and Tony Blair was speaking at the dinner and he opened his speech by saying, um, uh, you know, I've had all sorts of things written about me, but the one I least expected was to be named a gay icon, uh, which I was I was delighted that he'd, uh, he'd remembered it. Uh, and then I was reading Vanity Fair, actually, and they interviewed Tony Blair in his office, and on his desk was my interview with him when they interviewed him. So I made it into Vanity Fair as well, which is pretty cool. You've done some remarkable things. Another remarkable thing you did uh, was another exceptional interview in 2017, when, when you somehow managed to get all the five living oh, prime yeah. ministers of Britain at the time to speak, uh, uh, to speak to you regarding the 50th anniversary of the decriminalisation of homosexuality. Was that equally just draw-dropping in terms of an interview that you've done? Yeah, I mean, it, I thought it was really important because I'm sort of centre-left, so some of the Prime Ministers I like and don't. But I thought on an anniversary of a moment like that, to get them all to, to talk in one article was such a strong message about Britain and, and, you know, that we're a tolerant and celebrating society of each other. And so I was delighted to get that. I then tried to put in for an award for um, under-30s journalists and didn't get it. So clearly it wasn't that impressive as a story to some people. Do you get to watch a lot of telly, Benjamin? Obviously, you're so busy all the time throughout yeah. the day, mostly appearing on telly the variety of different mediums uh do you get a time do you get time to watch a lot of it you know i absolutely love television and there's only two types of telly i really watch and that is either the news which obviously i love but also it's my job and then the other type which is is trash is comedy is reality shows because it's such an escapism from the pressure that you have in most of life and uh, yeah i while away many hours you've got someone cleaning your window in the background yeah. there. what's, what's yeah. going on here hello <laughs> The cleaner is just cleaning the, the house. She's brilliant. Dorina. What's, what's her name? Doreen. Dorina. Oh, Dorina. Hello, Dorina. Great, great cleaning. It's, it's so well, subtle welcome. just sneaking into the frame. We'll get her on the show next week. <laughs> yeah, we'll have her next week. <laughs> well, let's get on with it. Congratulations, Benjamin Butterworth. You've won a luxury weekend break to the idyllic city of Preston, where you'll be spending all your time in the finest twin bedroom Preston's Travelodge has to offer. It's common knowledge, of course, there's little to do in Preston other than to sit in bed all day and watch television. We hope you have a a very pleasant stay. So you're going to go to Preston for a weekend. You've got four television options to take with you. You're going to take these on a memory stick and watch these on repeat for the entire weekend. We've broken them down into four subcategories and you've also got two bonus choices as well, but we'll move on to them a little bit later on. Your first option is the TV show that makes you think of your childhood. So I found this one incredibly difficult to decide because... I watched so much television as a child. You know, any good parent would say that you shouldn't sit them in front of the television, but that was my entire childhood outside of school. And so I just still have such a, an affectionate memory for anything on CBBC, which I adored. In fact, I'm so old that CBBC was on BBC One at the time rather than 
rather than being its own TV channel. But I have to say, I think it's sort of, I don't know whether you know the programme Queen's Nose or uh, Get Your Own Back. Did you ever see that? These are two of our absolute goddamn <laughs> favourites. Oh, amazing. Yeah, absolutely. What are you going to go for? So, well, I was going to go for Get Your Own Back, but then Dave Benson Phillips, who was the gunja in the programme, uh, I met him when I was at university because he goes around university campuses and does the game and gunges someone. And um, I don't want to ruin it, but he was sort of a miserable middle-aged man uh, who didn't seem to have much enthusiasm for going around university campuses, recreating something he did sort of 10 years earlier. Uh, so I can't go with that. I think the Queen's nose, and because it had a character in it that would, uh, sort of the evil head teacher thing, who would uh, whip the glasses off. And I, as a spectacle uh, wearer, uh, I now sort of love whipping my glasses off, not that it looks good, my floppy hair at the moment, and sort of feeling authoritative. So um, that's lived with me from childhood. So uh, the Queen's nose, I think, would have to have to be it. That seems like a good choice. Um, we can corroborate, um, get your own back. We saw, it, we saw it once, didn't we, at the Edinburgh Fringe a couple of years ago. And uh, we can absolutely get with your story there because the guns, which is, of course, the best part of get your own back, and it's the thing that you watched it for. Mm. And on the show, obviously, when it was on telly, there was buckets and buckets and tons and tons of the guns of the stuff. And we went along, didn't we? <laughs> and so some of the tasks were quite literally um it was it was catch a paper plate in between some kitchen tongs and then and then for round two uh, they got an old a scruffy old um duvet sheet yeah. out and uh, you thought okay this should be interesting let's see which way he goes for this and it was literally who can fold a duvet uh. in, into a duvet sheet first and that was 17 quid a ticket 17 quid a ticket in a university wow. lecture hall yeah honestly honestly and then you only got the gunge at the very very end so the, the losing team got the gunge at the end of the hour-long show and the guns was it was a beep 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 guns coming it was like you know we had to put all the sheets down we all had to stand back and it was only one bucket of guns all the health and safety uh-huh. made it really quite an unenjoyable experience to be honest and i went at 17 pounds were there lots of people watching it um well I'll, I'll tell you this his son and his wife came to every show and there wasn't that many more people past that oh well you needed that 17 pounds no wonder there was a little bit of gun yeah. <laughs> okay so you've got to go for the queen's nose yes i am uh of course no one has 50p coins these days so uh sort of gen z won't understand it at all that theme tune was iconic wasn't it it was it was quite like mesmerized it was like tinkle tinkle it was it was kind of really strange i loved it wow you do that an absolute service yeah i know i know book me now for x-factor celebrities <laughs> <laughs> um, could you explain for um, I, a Gen, Gen Z, like you mentioned, that haven't seen the Queen's Nose, what it was about? It, I mean, it's just like a drama, wasn't it? Where you'd rub that, you'd rub uh, the Queen's nose on the fifty p coin, and then all sorts of things would happen and, and be fixed in adventures. And it's just one of those things that, as a child, grows your mind. It's sort of so exciting and so magical that I can't help but but love it. And I would I would watch it every day that it was on because I'd get home from school at about 3.30 and I'd have sort of a biscuit and then I'd sneak into the kitchen and take about 12 more biscuits without anyone noticing. Uh, and then sit down and watch those programmes. The other one I might say that I loved was Arthur, if you remember that, the cartoon. We'll hey, love you. I loved it. It's wonderful. Uh, I went to, uh, to East Wittering a couple of months ago and they had the DVD of series one of Arthur Blimey. and I smashed about three of them. It was great. It was really you, embarrassing. You, you broke them yeah. or you watched them? <laughs> no, I watched okay. them. It was great. I was going to say that's mean. You have a DVD player. Yeah, I know. I've got, a, I've got a DVD of Prank Patrol behind me as well. I mean, this is incredible. I went to a, a supermarket and they had loads of DVDs the other day and I thought, am I being ridiculous or is that actually quite an unusual thing to see these days? It's a bit retro, like, isn't who, it? It's like having vinyl. Yeah, but it's mad because when I was a, 
a wee boy, which really wasn't that long ago, you'd have VHS tapes in in supermarkets. And that just seems like prehistoric. I know. I've got loads of them still. I've still got a VHS player. You never know when you might come in handy. Well, exactly. If it's like a record player, it might be worth loads in 50 years' time. The Queen's Knowns... I'll start that again. The Queen's Nose uh, was based... But make sure you do it in a northern accent. <laughs> oh, yeah. The Queen's Nose, uh, based on a novel by Dick King Smith. Uh, I think it ran for about five series. I think it started in something like, is it 1995 Certainly or Certainly mid-90s, like definitely, I think. I'd just like to point out that when it started, I was three years old, so they must have been repeating it for some time. <laughs> yeah. I think they were, because I remember watching it as well, and we're a wee bit younger than you. You know, I self-identify as 26, and it's not changing anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, did you ever read the book? No, I never read books. I really didn't. I'm not joking. I um, I could. I really struggled to read as a kid, uh, massively. I'd never read a book until I was 17 years old. So maybe there's no much. You know, it's no wonder I spent so much time watching television. I sometimes joke that I've, I've, def- I've definitely written more than I've read of other people, which is incredibly narcissistic. <laughs> <laughs> Your second choice is a TV show that gets you laughing. Gets me laughing. Okay. So, I mean, I'm scared to admit to this because it really is trash and it, so many people hate it. But I I have to come out and say I love Mrs. Brown's Boys. Uh, Ooh, it is, this is a bit controversial, this one. Yeah, yeah. Because it's stupid. Uh, it doesn't make sense. It's poorly acted. Uh, there's lots of complaints about the fact that they're all family in real life and it's a bit dodgy backstage according to reports and yet I just think it's so easy to watch and so escapist and the humour is so basic that you know even I can get it when I'm run down after a long day or something I just think it's brilliant and you get so many snobs who say they hate Mrs Brown's Boys well I'm sorry but 12 million people watch it on Christmas Day for like seven years in a row so clearly lots of people love it and you know, I think I speak for the for the silent majority. Well, it's voted uh, best British sitcom of all time, isn't it? It is indeed, unbelievably. Yeah. Surely you don't agree with that, Benjamin? Uh, it's not my favourite sitcom of all time, but it's certainly the one that's most likely to make me laugh. I know it's coming back for Christmas Day and Boxing Day of this year, and I'll, I'll definitely be watching it. And, you know, everyone on Twitter can you know be snobs and say it's not funny, but it's easy and I, I like watching it. And, you know, after a couple of bottles of wine uh, on Christmas Day, I think, I think you need a couple of bottles of wine in you, I think, for Mrs. Grounds Boys Christmas special. I remember in the playground when series one was out, there was whispers of what Mrs. Brown's Boys was. And everyone was really loving talking about it because all their parents were watching it. And it seemed quite almost revolutionary in a retro way because it seems Mm. to be the thing that brought back the studio audience, didn't it, after so many years? No, you're absolutely right. You know, it's it's more like theatre than most TV shows, you know, most sitcoms that we're used to. And I quite like the fact that when stuff goes wrong on it, I think sometimes intentionally, but when they mess up their lines, they can sometimes cut to the audience laughing on occasion and they sort of don't edit it out. And I quite like that rawness. And actually with this year, when we can't go to theatres and watch live shows and whatnot, I think something like that is quite refreshing, you know, in its, in its feel. I think it'd be, be some good, easy fun for Christmas. Yeah, there were certain aspects uh, of novelty features like that, like the uh, things going wrong and being kept in and the cross-dressing thing, which we hadn't, that kind of hadn't been done for a while, like the studio audience coming back. I confess, and I think you are of the same opinion as me, Elliot, I actually quite enjoyed the first two series in particular. I thought Mm. it was really, the family feel was quite nice and wholesome. Um, It wasn't too ridiculously strained in um, Mm. in its realism. I thought it was actually really good. For me, though, it has trailed off quite badly since probably the two first series. 
now we must be about six in and about 10 Christmas specials. Well, they've, I don't think they've done a proper series since something like 2015, you know, a full series. So maybe that is because they've run out of, of worthwhile jokes. But it, it started, I think, something like 1991 as a radio play in Ireland. So, you know, it's had a, a long, a long journey. You know, that family must have, have been dining out in it for almost 30 years, which is kind of crazy. And I bet they're, they're pretty damn rich by now. Oh, yeah. Huge and they still cow. get arena tours pretty much every year, apart yeah. from this year, obviously. And they, But they tour around the entire of UK and Ireland do, doing the show in arenas. And to have a TV show do an arena show, other than other than the League of Gentlemen and Monty Python and Monty yeah. Python and the Muppets, I can't think of anything else. It's the classic four, mm. isn't it? It's the four horsemen of the TV apocalypse. <laughs> yeah. yeah, amazing. You get Little Britain and Benidorm have both done uh, have both done tours, which I think were very successful. The Little Britain ones, dare I confess it, is very funny if you watch it on um, on YouTube. I think we've seen it. Find oh, a yeah. sausage, I remember. We'll say no more about that. I uh, <laughs> uh, oh, look what you do in your free time. So... <laughs> <laughs> I think that was in it. Okay, fantastic. Mrs. Brown's Boys. I'm pretty confident we're not going to get that for a while. Mm. Mrs. Brown's Boys is locked in. Let's move on to your first bonus choice, uh, which is the TV personality that you're going to take with you to spend your weekend with in Preston watching these shows. So I, I struggle on this. Because, well, I wanted to go with David Attenborough, but you've had that one before. Sadly so. And, and also I'd fear that he dropped dead halfway through. So, <laughs> as, is, as is your will. This happens quite often to you. Precisely. I'm quite good at sort of old people dying. In fact, I interviewed the oldest person in the world earlier this year in March. And uh, he died shortly afterwards. Yeah. So he, he lives I, in this very town. Oh, in Olsen. Yeah. This yeah, is literally yeah. where we are right now. Amazing. He well, he did. Live. Yeah. He, uh, he died at 112. And uh, I said, you're very sad. I said, gone too soon. Uh, you know, um, anyway, I, uh, I eventually have decided on Davina McCall because I think you want someone who's got so much energy, who can find the fun where maybe there isn't much fun that's obvious. And I think she'd be brilliant at that. She also, she gets along with everybody. She's interviewed all those people on Big Brother. So she sees the best in uh, in all sorts of people or reveals the truth out of them. So I think she'd be very easy to get along with. What is it you'd like to ask Davina or talk to her about specifically when you've got this golden time together? Well, obviously, I'd like to ask her about Big Brother. Uh, I suppose I'd wonder, how, you know, how do you cope with doing a show like that would, would be my question. You know, how did she get through that? Because they're also mad. You know, lots of them are mad which I think is why I liked that program and uh, and you know how did she survive with that but also Davina McCall is an amazing woman you know she was from quite a posh family but deeply dysfunctional she was a heroin addict uh, as a young woman and then she managed to overcome that and have this incredible career on television I think she's just someone you could learn loads about and uh, I'd, I'd gladly spend a weekend watching telly of course she's hosted everything as well so you know I feel like half the tv shows she'd know everything about them if she made you do a crunch or a sit-up would you do it I'd do anything Davina McCall told me to do. <laughs> She's, her demeanour is wonderful, controlled madness, isn't it, I think? And I think she'd be great company for, for the entire weekend. Do you think yeah. she'd like your choices so far? Do you think she'd like the Queen's Nose and Mrs Brown's Boys? Davina's demeanour, uh, that, that's what we like. That's her new um, fitness DVD. Precisely, that's her etiquette guide, maybe. Um, I mean, she's quite silly. You know, she could certainly not look at Mrs Brown's boys and complain that it's trashy because she hosted Big Brother for 10 years. So I, I feel like she'd, she'd have to like them. And the Queen's knows, I mean, it's such easy viewing. She's, got, she's quite a childlike person. I think she'd appreciate it, yeah. Your third TV choice is a TV show that gets you sweating. So, I mean, maybe this is uh, a bit self-indulgent, but there's one very obvious answer for me, and that's Good Morning Britain. 
because uh, it's a program I've done a whole bunch of times and I can't even hear the theme music for that if I watch it or it comes up on YouTube without sweating. It really gets me into panics because uh, I've had such big rows on there that now I can't see anybody else round on Good Morning Britain without sort of coming out in a cold sweat. So it's PTSD, really, above anything else. Yes, ultimately, it's a clinical issue rather than a a sweating. Uh... (laughs) Just to remind viewers, um, so you've been on there multiple times, you say, most famously last year, uh, you went on Mm -hmm. to, to... debate with Susanna Reid and Piers Morgan and I think India Willoughby was with you as well if I believe correctly. Regrettably so, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to bitch, it's not in my character. <laughs> <laughs> you were talking about 100 genders and then obviously also the petition that you'd signed to get um, Piers Morgan sacked which you advocated. It was the most complained thing about in 2019 to Ofcom. What about that? Tell us about that. What was that whole experience like from start to finish for you and well, how it still lingers with you now? Well the first time I was booked was to argue about whether um, M&S should do LGBT sandwiches, which was a BRT with guacamole. So I always did the big debates. Uh, <laughs> that, you know. And then clearly they thought that I was like this crazy woke kid that would um, that would do it. And basically we had a, a debate about gender identities and that was the one that got all the complaints. And among that was a petition to fire peers. And it was a few weeks later, and I hadn't seen the petition at the time, so I wasn't behind the drive to back here. But a producer rang me up on the Sunday evening and, and put the suggestion to me. And I thought, well, you know, it's quite a good idea to fire Piers Morgan for, uh, for his views. And so I decided to do it. And I knew it was going to be huge because the previous one, Alan Sugar had told me to sod off on Twitter and it was trending worldwide. So I kind of guessed that sort of saying he should be completely fired was going to go a long way. And the first morning we went in, India Willoughby and I, there was someone else on there, a footballer whose uh, wife had died and so the item got dropped the first morning which was great in a way for me because I knew they were going to run it because it was such a good debate so I got paid in full and had all my hair and makeup done and then went back to the studios the next morning and um, the thing about when you do Good Morning Britain unlike any other show I've done and you know I have it's not like I've done Have I Got News For You or something but all these news programs Uh, It's the most glamorous by far because you get to Television Centre in West London and there is, they always in you know, a beautiful blacked out car. And then there's a person with a a checkboard at at the gate and, um, and the driver will say my name and then the person on the checkboard nods and sends you and there's podiums sort of these bollards go down. But then the guy says, okay, that's the, the talent entrance and the bollards go down and you go through this back door where someone else meets you, a security person meets you and takes you in to makeup and stuff. And it just feels like you're doing sort of Saturday night television or something. It's amazing. And I just love when every time I've done it and they've gone, oh, take Mr. Butterworth to the talent entrance. Uh, I think, God, what's my talent? Uh, <laughs> I, I love doing the show. And, it, and the reason I say that as well is because it gets you very wound up. You're sat down with a researcher, they're feeding back your lines. And I think the production are excellent on Good Morning Britain, but they're certainly trying to get you in the mindset of having an argument. And you're not allowed to see the person you're debating against, which theoretically is another pundit rather than peers, but obviously it's peers. Uh, And then you're sort of, you walk into the studio in the old days when we were all allowed to meet each other and you sit down and during the ad break on all the occasions I've done it in the studio, Piers won't turn or look at you. And so when they that music comes on and he turns to me and says, you want to get me fired? You know, he's completely blanked me during that whole ad break. And then he looks you in the eyes. And the sort of the theatre that comes across on television from those debates is intentional on how they set it up when you're actually doing the show. So it's, it's good fun. And I, I was really happy with it because that debate, because I 
I said what I thought and I got my voice across. And then, you know, it's about to become the most watched debate ever on Good Morning Britain on YouTube. It's a few hundred, you know, like 50,000 off being the most watched debate ever. So, uh, yeah, it was pretty incredible. But uh, it just left me with lifelong sweats uh, thinking about it. That's really interesting. And actually, and I think the fact that he didn't look at you in the ad breaks, the fact that yeah. it's less contrived, actually, I appreciate more rather Precise. than him turning to you and say, oh, cracker, we'll have a good one in a minute. Exactly. And actually, on that final morning, the car taking me there had hit um, had hit a bollard in the road and I wasn't injured at all. Um, but it was, you know, I tweeted it on the way at like 5am or whatever it was. And I got there and they were incredible. They took me to a doctor um, and Lorraine Kelly was checking I was okay before the show. She was like, oh, you're what right, I love. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, uh, I, it's fine, honestly. And so they were very, very good with me. And then I did the show. And of course, they don't say anything before. They, they're sort of winding you up a little bit. And then as soon as we finished that debate and came off air, Piers said to me, oh, I heard you had a car crash before. Are you okay? I hope you're all right. So he was very sweet about that. And I, I replied, yeah, and that was my first car crash of this morning after that interview. <laughs> so your Morgan versus Butterworth has kind of gone on since then yeah. a little bit. Um, it's kind of love-hate. It's also kind of playing up to the media a bit, isn't it? Like it's kind of theatrical, isn't it? Well, I, I don't know what you're on about. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> like okay, you've interviewed each other since and you've, yeah. you, know, you, ha you tweet each other sometimes. Um, the mimicking the voice thing, he's admitted in an yeah. interview he did with you that he regretted that. Perhaps that was over the line a bit. What did you think of that? It wasn't long, but it was a bit insulting. It, it was insulting. And I kind of regret that in the moment, I, I, I knew what he'd done. I knew it was homophobic as far as I was concerned, but I didn't challenge him on it because I don't know, I just didn't want to be that aggressive and wanted to keep on with the debate. And I kind of wish I'd called him out at the time, not least because it would have made better television. Uh, frankly, as well as being the right thing to do. And then he told The Guardian last week that he was sorry and that it was, well, he said, he told them that it was bullying. And then I interviewed him last week for, for, the, news, for the newspaper I write for, and he apologised fully on the phone to me, uh, which I thought was good of him and, and honest of him. But look, it, he wasn't really impersonating my voice. He was impersonating a generic camp man's voice uh, that I just think was incredibly insulting. Uh, and, you know, I, I appreciate that he knows it was wrong, but you kind of think, well, how often does he do that? You know, what, what happens when no cameras are rolling? Absolutely. Do you think there's a bromance blossoming between you? Well, we have a love-hate relationship. We uh, love ourselves and hate each other. Uh... <laughs> That's a great line, that is. Did he send you a copy of his book? He did, yes. It arrived a few days before it was out, and I immediately went to the page to read about myself. I'm sure the rest of it's interesting, uh, but, uh, yeah, I did. And, you know, I... It's an interesting book. I don't agree with it. It's about woke culture and cancel culture. Uh, I'm sure lots of people will enjoy it. And it's quite cool because he, it's going to be such a hugely read book and he's promoting it in America at the moment. And so it's kind of strange that so many people will, will pick up the book and read something about me. But, you know, I, I, I probably should get them to know about me on, on my own terms rather than Piers Morgan's. <laughs> And let's move on to your fourth and final TV show, which is your free hit. It's the show you couldn't live without. Well, I mean, it sounds odd to say couldn't live without, but, and I mentioned it earlier, but Big Brother, I still watch it back all the time on YouTube because it shaped the person that I live as. You know, I started watching it when I was, I think, 13 years old. And it was the series that Nadia won, who was transgender. And, you know, that would be pretty radical now, frankly, but sort of 15, 10 years ago, 10, 15 years ago, to have someone like that, and as a gay kid sort of coming to terms with my sexuality, I found it incredibly empowering. And through those series, you saw so many characters that you just hadn't seen on television before. And still to this day, I rewatch it because 
it told such powerful human stories that no other reality program, in my opinion, has managed to match. And you've got Love Island these days, which is kind of the equivalent in terms of popularity and cultural impact. And I think Love Island is terrible because it's the reverse of what was Big Brother, which was showing the rawness and the humanity of people that you know lots of other people won't have seen before. And they weren't necessarily attractive or clever or conventional. Uh, they were wacky or stupid or annoying, but it was about appreciating that bit of them. Love Island is just get finding the most vacuous, dull, conventionally attractive people that can rack up the most Instagram likes and sticking them together. And I think reality TV has totally lost its way in that sense. And we should get back to having more programs like Big Brother. And that's why, you know, I can't live without it. I want it back. I absolutely agree with you. I am a massive Big Brother fanatic. I think it was a wonderful, wonderful show. I think throughout the years, a little bit, as you said, the more people they got who were kind of in the media already, who maybe had a quite famous Twitter account or whatever, who weren't as real as the people were in the initial series. I think it started to wear a bit thin then, but I loved those initial series that were so raw. And it was real people in a house together, seeing how they, they got on and, and fought and, uh, and, you know, loved each other as well. It was amazing. It was yeah. what an experiment in those early days. It really was. Well, precisely. If you remember Pete, who had Tourette's and Nikki, who uh, had... Uh, lived with anorexia and was an incredibly eccentric character. And those two people that would never in a million years have met in real life. You know, Pete is this bohemian uh, sort of working class lad and Nikki was this sort of spoiled posh girl and they were just perfect for each other. And I think that was the most watched of all the series. And, you know, you talk about Love Island, there people are forced to, to sort of, you know, get off with each other because it's the only way they're gonna get a mortgage at the end of it. On Big Brother, especially in those earlier days, it was so much more real and natural. And I recognise it's probably very hard to recreate that now because we're too far down the line, especially with social media. People know the game, even if they've never done telly before. But I just thought that was beautiful. And there was a big debate recently and the Royal Television Society had one of the producers of Big Brother, one of the people that ran it. And they were asked, why don't you rerun it during this next lockdown? Because, you know, like lots of people, I want to watch it. And they said that they couldn't do that because it was 20 years ago that show started and people who were sort of out of control, or crazy or wacky or said stupid things, especially things that would now be offensive, they now are like teachers and firefighters and all sorts of respectable jobs. And it would, he said, uh, ruin their lives if you re-aired it now because they're in a completely different point in life, which is a, is a good point. So, you know, I, I'll keep watching the bits that are on YouTube, but uh, maybe we shouldn't replay it on, on linear television. Theoretically, would you do Big Brother or would you have done it in the early days or yes. would you have been too terrified? <laughs> yes, absolutely. I uh, I really wanted to do Big Brother growing up. I was desperate to do it. And I had an audition when I was 18, but I didn't turn up. And I don't regret it because not that many people were watching it by the time I was 18. I think it had switched to Channel 4 or 5. Uh, and maybe it would have been a stupid thing to do. And yet, on the other hand, I think you know, because it didn't get that much attention, maybe I could have done it and had the experience without sort of the lingering infamy that it can bring. 
Uh, if I ever, I mean, I'm sadly not famous enough, but I would, I would certainly like to be famous enough to do Celebrity Big Brother and be one of those sort of, you know, the characters that aren't particularly well known, but are sort of gobby and, and will have arguments and rub up Anne Widdicombe or, or, you know, or maybe I had this idea that if they brought it back, I'd love to be in there with Lawrence Fox. You know, I would, I absolutely despise that man. I think he's awful. Most of all, I think he's stupid. And I would love to be locked up in the Big Brother house with him uh, if they did bring it back. It was such a fantastic show. I think I've still got a DVD that they produced from the Channel 4 days that had highlights of every series plus two full episodes. And I have Mm. to gorge on them because that's all I can do these days because we don't get them. Uh, I mean, what a show. You're getting full use out of that DVD player. Good for you. (laughs) Well done. (laughs) In between Arthur and Prank Patrol. It's a real (laughs) scream at this house. I tell you, no, wonderful show. Uh, in my opinion, the best reality TV show we will ever have. Nothing is going to beat it. We need to bring it back. We've had the Stanford Prison Experiment, we've had Big Brother, and we've also had Mrs. Brown's Boys as the three main trials <laughs> to humanity. <laughs> All the best shows are experiments. I really do agree there. And the best TV is uncomfortable television watching, I feel. Uh, so let's move on to your second and last choice of proceedings. It's your unlimited food and snack supply. You get to take a food or snack item to Preston and that's all you can eat for the entire weekend but you do get an unlimited amount of supply of it well I'm obsessed with chocolate I eat so much chocolate and it's crap chocolate I don't do good chocolate uh, I'm not made of money uh, there's no lint in this house uh, I tried yesterday uh, gingerbread dairy milk now it's just come out and I'm not being funny but it's incredible Uh, and I would easily spend a whole weekend on gingerbread dairy milk. If not, they've got a blueberry one that's newly released, uh, so I could do that, or an orange swirl. Uh, You know, I'm not saying that I'm a sort of a very predictable housewife, but uh, anything with orange or gingerbread added to it, and I'll just buy it up in in bucket loads. Okay, the gingerbread chocolate sounds really nice, really nice. I want to really eat that now. But it does seem like potentially you've gone for a fad there. Of all I'm going to be chocolate... in the diary room soon and I'll be voting you out. <laughs> of all the chocolate you could have chosen across your whole life, you've gone for the very newest creation. Do you think you might live to regret that? The thing is, I've eaten a lot of chocolate, so I need to go for something new if I'm going to eat it all weekend. Because well, the I other can't stuff... argue with that. Uh, I could go the galaxy, but it's a bit thicker and I think I'd get tired of it after after two days. I like the risk. I find with Cadbury, sometimes it's a swing and a hit and sometimes it's a swing and a miss. For example, the Oreo dairy milk was fantastic. Oh no. But I thought those popping candy ones were absolute horseshit. I've not had popping candy, but Oreos were so dull. We're about, oh. to, we're about to have a classic Butterworth debate here. Exactly. <laughs> I thought it was a real treat I along with the Dame Bar as well. Dame, I've never had a Dame Bar. No. Get away. It's really lovely. You've got to you've got to go to the dentist afterwards, but it's a real scream. It doesn't have fruit in it, does it? No, no, no. Good chocolate doesn't have fruit in it. Like the fruit Except and nut fruit bars. Fruit and nut, which is lovely. They can do one. It can seriously do one fruit and nut. Why do you like the Oreo so much? Well, it's just lovely. I love Oreos. I like dairy milk. And Benjamin, you don't like it. You don't like the combination. Do you like them separately? Oreos are fine on their own. But I mean, honestly, everything in the supermarket is Oreo flavoured these days. Mm. And people that eat fruit and nut, I'm like, if I wanted a salad, I'd get one. Why would you put fruit in chocolate? Well, you like the orange swirl. Yes, but I think that's a bit different to fruit and oh, oh, orange flavored twirl. I mean, you think there's fruit in an orange twirl? I mean, no, I don't. Was that your Piers Morgan gotcha moment? Uh, uh... Not really. It was, <laughs> it was the best I'm ever going to get. So you're going for gingerbread cabris, and you're going to share that presumably with Davina McCall. She'll be bouncing off the walls. If uh, she's nice, but I feel like Davina's got enough energy. I'll, I'll need the sugar hit to uh, to keep up with her. Very nice, amazing. Let's see your choices. You're taking to Preston for a weekend. The TV show 
that makes you think of your childhood, which is The Queen's Nose, the TV show that gets you laughing, which is Mrs. Brown's Boys. You're taking with you Davina McCall as your TV personality. Your sweating choice is Good Morning Britain. Your free hit is Big Brother. And your unlimited food and snack supply is Gingerbread Dairy Milk Bar. Happy with those choices? What a life. It sounds great, actually. Uh, yeah, I am. I mean, look, it's just sort of everything that's sort of noisy and funny and sugary is basically what I like. There's nothing subtle about any of those choices, I would say. And that's perfect for me. I think that describes you wonderfully. Thank you for being so sugary and bubbly. It's been a real joy today to take a trip down memory lane and see those shows as well. Thank you so much, Benjamin. Thank you. And that was our episode with Benjamin Butterworth. What a lovely thing of a Friday afternoon. Really enjoyed it. Had a really nice time. Gave us loads of opinions, some of which we've had to cut out, some of which will stay in. <laughs> uh, it was a really nice chat, wasn't it? Yeah, I liked it. I thought he was a really, really funny guy. And of course, nobody is who you think they are, given the persona they have to do on television and on radio and stuff. Everyone's a bit more calmed down in real life, aren't they? Including us, believe it or not. <laughs> Thank Christ. I don't believe it. His childhood option was The Queen's Nose, a CBBC classic of a show and right in our generation group as well so we can definitely relate to that I haven't seen that as much as I have other CBBC shows for example Get Your Own Back uh, but it was certainly a, a drama that was on yeah <laughs> it certainly Ignore was that. his laughing choice controversially was Mrs Brown's Boys yes I wondered when this was going to come up yes I did as well um, for once we didn't just say great choice and then um, didn't contradict <laughs> we did give our opinions and I, and I do firmly believe that there was some merit in the first couple of seasons since then not for me and I'm on the bandwagon firmly of thinking it's beep <laughs> <Shit>. <laughs> my grandma absolutely loves it my grandparents used to like it as exactly well. and they're part of the 12 million who watch it every Christmas Day. Absolutely. And he said he's part of a silent majority. He is right. Because as you say, loads of people do watch it. Uh, you can't argue with facts. You can't argue with ratings, I suppose. Mm. He's taking with him as his TV personality, Davina McCall. Bubbly, fun, exuberant. Her energy is going to be so high in that travel lodge. Yeah, she's probably got a lot of behind the scenes gossip as well, which I think Benjamin would enjoy specifically. I think she would be an absolute scream of a TV personality to take. Actually would probably be up there of one of my choices as well. Mm, bit of a diamond in the rough. His sweating choice. Here we go. Good morning, Britain. A show that he has been on. Mm. Have we had that no i don't think we have actually yeah. that's, that's a first ding ding <laughs> i suppose we didn't ask him that he'd be watching himself for no, the whole we weekend didn't. achievement unlocked um yeah i don't know how that would work actually would we give him every episode ever recorded or would we just give him the weekend's worth that he's there it's not on at the weekend is it don't know what we do maybe yeah. a compilation show but really glad he raised that because then we got to ask him about his feud with Piers Morgan the interviews he does on there and a bit of behind the scenes gossip which I quite enjoyed personally another person who's going to be watching themselves is Davina McCall because Big Brother was his free hit yeah both of them are going to be watching themselves that's quite weird isn't it um Listen, I'll hand this over to you because I know you're a huge Big Brother fan uh, and you watched it pretty religiously. You adore the show, don't you? Love it, especially in its Channel 4 years and then the Emma Willis years. Brian Downing, I think it was kind of finding its feet. But wonderful, wonderful show. I would love to have taken part in that experiment in the early days. And experimental TV is the best TV. We need to have a bang on this because it is the new gingerbread dairy milk chocolate bar for his unlimited snack supply. Head round to the corner shop and let's buy some. Um, I'm not sure that that is his favourite chocolate bar ever. I know someone who has equally tried the Ginger Bear Dairy Milk Bar and says it's horrible. Oh. 
Who was it? No one knew. <laughs> and why do they not like it? I think it was Queen Elizabeth II. <laughs> it's the Queen's nose. Yes, she's on WhatsApp. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, so it wasn't very nice. Do they, do they like gingerbread anyway, or do you not know enough about them? I don't know that much, mate. <laughs> I don't know everything. I'm not a genie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, well, I hope it's nice. I look forward to trying it. Benjamin's moving house next week. We're moving on up. We'll all go around for Prosecco and Munchettes. <laughs> See you later. Thank <laughs> you.